Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, guys. How is everything going? Locked On Browns, episode 211. Uh, guys, uh, we're, we're about to kick off uh, week three preseason games, which uh, basically everything's going to get going here. Uh, in week four, it's kind of just, you know, maybe a, a guy or two kind of hanging on for a roster spot. Uh, so, you know, obviously best time of the preseason. And then we get that little respite, enjoy the last weeks of the, you know, last few days of August. And then we're going to start kicking it off for real. Uh, joining me here this evening, part of SB Nation, part of Forbes. Uh, I've been writing football for a long time, a long time follower of Andrea Hanks. I am Andrea. I'm glad you were able to join us here this evening. How is everything going? Oh, I'm doing doing well. And thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to talk, uh, talk some Browns, talk some AFC North. I'm glad we could finally, uh, yeah, get to go this on. I, I, I you know, my listeners keep keep branching out. They want more and more, but then I ask for names and they don't give me any. So <laughs> I'm trying, guys. I'm trying to branch out, but you got to, you know, got to make this a two way street here. Um, I guess the first thing we'll do here, obviously, because this is the Locked On Browns podcast, Andrea. Um, yet another facelift. You know, net a, another <laughs> rebranding here for the Cleveland Browns. Um, you know, the fan base is excited, which I do think they should be, but uh, they've been let down before. Um, obviously, somebody who's covered the AFC North and, you know, you know, done some stuff for Cleveland, you know this division very well. Where do you see it? And, you know, how does it look from someone like you who knows the AFC North like you do? On the one hand, it's hard not to be optimistic. Um, essentially, you know, we're, we're coming off of an 0-16 season with the Browns. Ideally, there's nowhere to go but up, uh, hopefully not in the same spot and, and, and go back to the one win season uh, back in 2016. So, you know, it's hard not to be optimistic from that basic standpoint. It's hard not to be optimistic based on, you know, what we've seen the Browns pull off during this off season in terms of the draft, in terms of free agency, uh, you know, and, and in terms of trying to improve their coaching staff, finally having an offensive coordinator and Todd Haley. Uh, so, you know, that all seems encouraging, but at the same time, We've seen this before. <laughs> this isn't the first time the Browns have been rebuilding uh, in terms of front office, coaching staff, roster, the whole nine yards. We've seen it before, and I've I've felt optimistic in the past. So, um, you know, that being said, I, I, you know, and, and I think you know a lot of you, your listeners could also uh, could 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 feel the same way. Of just you know, uh, I've been fooled a lot. I I don't know if I can trust this, but at the same time. It does feel different. I, I say, I, I will say, it does feel somewhat different this time. I think well, part of it is though is you have some guys, and whether it's a Jarvis Landry or a Michael Kendricks, these are guys who, you know, Jarvis Landry did not have to resign here, and he chose to. Uh, Michael Kendricks, uh, Michael Kendricks, obviously coming off of you know a Super Bowl ring. I'm sure he could have found a better destination to go play. So once you start bringing guys in here who have, you know, basically the dog mentality, I think that helps a lot. Um, yes, now that they've added an offensive coordinator, the interesting thing there with that is it's it's a really, really dynamic, you know, between the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and then, you know, the head coach who is here. So, I mean, it could go well. It could go mm-hmm. really, really bad. So I think that's going to be really interesting to watch as this goes on here. Uh, I do think Todd Haley is here with a, you know, I think he, in his own mind, thinks if I can get this offense to score points, I'm not only here as the offensive coordinator, I'm auditioning to be the head coach of this franchise. Right. Yes, I completely agree. Uh, you know, I, I think that 
um, you know, if something should happen, whether it's within the season or after the season and, and Hughes out, out the door, I think that uh, Todd Haley would be that next man up for the head coaching job. Um, you know, and I, I you know, and I, I don't know how that would necessarily make Greg Williams feel. But at the same time, I, you know, we're watching Hard Knocks. I mean, everybody, you know, it's not like you're expecting squeaky clean language out of coaches <laughs> in the NFL or anything like that. Um, but. I don't know if you want Greg Williams as the front-facing, you know, guy in your <laughs> football organization necessarily. So yeah, I mean, I think yeah, if if, if that offense can score points, which I, I think that it should, if you look at all of the components to that offense, plus the kind of, of of stuff that Todd Haley likes to put together on the field, I feel like it's a match made in heaven. But it's also yes, it's a very volatile um, combination of coaches. Very. <laughs> Well, I do think with Greg Williams, at the end of the day, he should go home, put his head down at, his, at night on his pillow, and he should be ecstatic with the fact that he can at least hold a defensive coordinator position. After when on in New Orleans, no one in the world would sign off on Greg Williams running your show. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Um, now, now this next point I want to get to. Obviously, uh, you know, the Baker Mayfield selection, and it, and it was weird because there's never really been that much surprise with the number one overall pick. And it seems like, you know, about... Once all the media hit Dallas, which was obviously Wednesday before the draft, is when it seemed to break down. You know that it was you know it was going to be Baker Mayfield, and it's weird because we usually know two weeks going in. I mean, it's weird that we, and maybe because it was a heavy quarterback draft, the surprise was there. But my question to you, Andrea, is you know obviously John Dorsey's you know his butt is on the line with Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. whether he's here long term or not. The question I have is, you know, with John Dorsey, does he view Hugh Jackson or does, I mean, does anybody view Hugh Jackson as a head coach worth his, you know, grain, you know, worth his grain and salt to have this number one overall pick? I mean, it's been one in 31. We've kind of seen what he's done at the quarterback position. I, can we fully trust a guy like Hugh Jackson with, you know, with everything that Baker Mayfield could potentially mean to this franchise in this city? You know, I think I think he was fine when you talk about him as a coach. When you're talking about you know like his time as an offensive coordinator, for example, with the Bengals, I think that being a head coach and all of those kind of managerial tasks uh, and, and that kind of stuff, I don't, I'm not quite certain if he, I'm not quite sold yet uh, if that's something that he has, you know, where his strengths really lie. Um, but I will say that I think he worked with players really well. Uh, I think that he does a good job with quarterbacks. I think he has he he has knowledge to pass on to young quarterbacks, and I think that he's done a good job in the past uh, with quarterbacks. Um, so I'm not I'm not too entirely worried about it. Um, also, Lee, also if you you know if you worry about Hugh and and have that somehow colored the decision of whether to take Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen or Josh Allen or whatever the heck everybody thought that they were thinking before the, it became the Mayfield pick, if you if you hinge that quarterback onto that head coach, then you're kind of playing from a from a place of, of doubt or fear to begin with when you're making the pick. And I think that you know Baker can transcend. Whoever you know, whatever happens with Hugh, and I think that Hugh can 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 be a valuable resource to him for however long that this this combination lasts. So I'm not too worried about it. Um, you know, quarterbacks have to uh, be in 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 strange situations and have to adapt and and learn patience and stuff like that. And and I think that in terms of uh, a lot of the young quarterbacks that have come through come through Cleveland over the past 
20 years i feel like <laughs> i feel like i feel like baker is, is particularly well equipped to handle whatever might come his way which i can't say that i mean yeah i like i wouldn't look back at brandon weed and be like yeah he, he could handle this turmoil if it, if if it comes to that i think baker's got a good head on his shoulders so i think it's the right pick and i think so you just you don't have to worry about who the head coach is because if you do it like that then you'll never know if you're making the right decision I think that I think you made a great point on it, and one of the reasons that I do think they selected Baker Mayfield was at 23 years old, all the other guys 21, and there was a lot of you know, you know there was you know some what ifs, you know obviously you know uh, with Sam Darnold there was you know arm angled and footwork, you know Josh Allen, can you control this incredible throwing motion that this young man has and be able to get him to be you know more of a factor from the you know eight to fifteen yard range? Mm-hmm. Josh Rosen, some people were you know I think Josh Rosen a lot of it people were turned off by the fact that. You know, he was intelligent and he kind of had a lot to say. And yeah. look, I'm sure the Mannings, you know, they have a lot of opinions, but, you know, they were schooled to look, don't give your opinions on major things. Just talk about football. Son, son, talk about football. That's what we do. You'll make $200 million. Just go ahead and do it. And I think they felt that there was the least amount of risk, I think, is why they probably ended up going with Baker Mayfield, which sure. you know, in any decision makes some sense. Uh, and obviously, and I do think Baker, Baker is the, look, just let me go do my thing. And I do agree with you on this. It doesn't matter who the head coach is. If you let Baker Mayfield be 100% of Baker Mayfield, I think he's going to do well. And it wouldn't have mattered what city he landed in. Sure. Yeah. And, and that, that's, that's my main point is that, uh, I think, I think he's, he's just a quality quarterback and I think he's a really good player. And, and I think, you know, just watching him in the preseason, you know, and, and, and those little glimpses that we've seen of him thus far, I feel like he's really well developed for his point in his rookie career already. I think that that's, I think that he's come along really quickly. Uh, and he just, I don't know, there's, there's something about his presence on the field that, looks so different from what we've seen out of so many rookie quarterbacks that have, have been in Cleveland these past few years. So I, I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by the early returns. But again, you just never know. And, and, and chances are, you know, if, if everything goes according to plan, uh, we won't know for sure about, about Baker Mayfield as a pro starter till next year. That's probably a fairly good point. And, and it's, it, like, it sounds weird to say, that was a really weak, really impressive week one preseason performance, but it truly was against the Giants. I mean, he was totally up to speed. You know, mm-hmm. the throws were all there. I mean, even normally, I mean, you know, Lamar Jackson threw uh, the Hall of Fame game through that ugly interception, but that's what rookie quarterbacks are supposed to do. Yes. And with that, you watch Baker, and it was like, well, all right. So, yeah, all right. I mean, it was kind of like, well, anybody who had a question why the Browns took Baker, he kind of shut him up right from the jump street running. Obviously, week two, there were a couple of struggles here and there. But that's a little bit more what you want to see. So it's going to be fun how it plays out. And, uh, you know, at, at, I mean, there's it's going to be a while before we see him from everything they say. And I do not believe they're lying to us in that respect. Guys, Matt Williamson does the Locked On NFL show. Does a fantastic job. Got a killer lineup, guys. I'm going to keep telling you about this. Make sure you put it in your rotation. Uh, starting week one, you're going to get guys like Sage Rosenfels with all these young quarterbacks. You're going to get, you know, uh, his opinion on that. Mike Sando from ESPN is going to be part of it. You're going to get Mike Renner from PFF. He's going to be part of that rotation as well. So Locked On NFL with Matt Williamson. Guys, go ahead, check it out. Subscribe. Get it into your podcast rotation. Uh, as we roll along here, Andrea, uh, and you know, I know you're doing a lot of Pittsburgh work right now, and this is one where I want to go to. Uh, is the gap is the gap getting closer between Pittsburgh and these other teams in the AFC North? In your opinion, 
<sighs> I mean, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes and no in, in, in certain <clears throat> senses. I think, I think, uh, you know, from an overall perspective, I think that the gap is getting closer between the Steelers and the Browns. Um, when it comes to the Ravens, um, you know, their, their defense is still in, in pretty good shape, but I, I mean, we, we, I mean, we've seen it over the past couple of years with Joe Flacco and, 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 you know, everybody wants to make the jokes about eliteness or lack thereof or whatever, yeah, but I, heard there's, I, I mean, heard there's a guy who made a pretty good career <laughs> off of that. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I think that, I think at times that the Joe Flacco is a perfectly cromulent quarterback, but, um, I think that he's reached his peak and I think his peak was a definite kind of mediocre plateau. And I, and I think that Andy Dalton is kind of in the same boat. So in terms of the quarterback situation, at present, I would say that, you know, the Steelers are still in a really good situation. I think that the Browns are in a great situation. I like Terod. I really like Baker. I'm very meh on both Joe Flacco and Andy Dalton. I'm very excited to see what the future is going to bring with Lamar Jackson, which would hopefully be next season based on Flacco's contract and the way that he's been playing. Um, so I think that there's ways that the that the, the gaps can close, but I wouldn't say that it's it's – like it was what you know five or six years ago when three out of the four teams were constant you know playoff contenders i think that we're still in a situation where maybe there's two maybe there's only really one which you know one of them being the steelers um but i you know i yeah i mean anything can happen right any good <laughs> well i mean you know pittsburgh it comes down to one thing if they don't have number seven they could be even steven with the rest of this division oh sure sure yes. sure so so i do believe with that um cincinnati i, I mean how long do you gotta keep going and to realize that you're a six to nine win team with andy dalton um, you know, Pittsburgh, you know, if you still have the starting quarterback, there's no reason to upgrade it until you absolutely have to. If Ben says, look, that's it, I'm out. Now, all of a sudden, quarterback becomes a priority. Uh, obviously, you know, Baltimore and uh, Cleveland with the future there, you know, and Cincinnati still trotting out Andy Dalton every week. And, and God bless you, A.J. Green. I feel terrible for you. I really do. I, <laughs> I hope you make the Hall of Fame because I could list off about 20 guys I'd rather see you play with week in, week out. But yeah, Cincinnati just remains the mystery here, whether it's the cheapness or the just afraid to say, you want to know what, maybe if we tear it down completely, you know, because now there's a bunch of young pass rushers there, the defense looks good. If they just maybe stripped it down for one year, they could probably build it back quickly, but it's just not the way Cincinnati rolls. So it, right. it's interesting with that. And, you know, I, I can't watch Andy Dalton anymore. I just, I, I just can't. It's it's hard. It's kind of hard to watch. It's 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 reaching into that... That period at the end of Matt Schaub's starting career with the Texans, when he was just he, all of a sudden he got those yips and he was throwing all those pick sixes and stuff. Well, that's I not the like, record you want to have, not the pick six record. No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, and I feel I feel like Dalton is like veering into that territory this year, especially because you know I think he's in the same situation as Flacco, even though his his contract isn't as 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 hairy as it might seem. I do think that this is the last year. This is it for Andy Dalton. So I think that he's in that situation, uh, the same situation as Joe Flacco. And I don't think he's going to respond well to having that knowledge in his head. There's just I don't know. There's there's all these weird comments that Hugh Jackson used to make back when he was the Bengals OC when he was talking about Dalton. So I have I I don't know if he's going to handle this season very well. Yeah, it, it's kind of hard when it, it seems like the cards have already been laid out. So it's going to be sure. difficult with Andy Dalton that way. Uh, I do want to shift over to one thing here. Um, obviously, you know, Le'Veon Bell, he's not going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler in 2019. There's look, I mean, Big Ben, Philip Rivers, Eli Manning. 
it's not going to go on forever. I mean, how big is Pittsburgh's window? Because Pittsburgh could walk into OTAs in 2019 without a Le'Veon Bell and without a Ben Roethlisberger. If that's the case, then this is this is it. This is the <laughs> final year. This, I mean, that it's going to shut after this year. I mean, I don't think it would shut permanently. I don't think that you know Ben and Bell leaving uh, next offseason would cripple the Steelers for a decade or something like that. I, you know, the, just the way that the organization is able to evaluate talent and find players and all that kind of stuff, I think is not going to be a big deal. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, uh, that window will shut, uh, when, when, when Ben retires, uh, you know, there's already still, there, there remains and there has been for quite a few years now questions on the defense. And those questions are only more amplified now that Ryan Shazier isn't going to be playing this year. Uh, so there's that to consider the run game. I think that the Steelers can figure that out. I, you know, we, we, I feel bad. I mean, I do feel bad for Le'Veon Bell because I know what he's asking for financially and, and it doesn't seem fair that that's the way that the running back position is being viewed um, by, by, by NFL front offices, but... But it's not all, because, I mean, you know, I, I think he'd perfectly, at his age, I think he'd be perfectly ha- happy with Todd Gurley money. Is it a Pittsburgh thing, or is it a league thing? That's a tough question. It's 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 a little bit of both, because, you know, remember, uh, Le'Veon Bell wants $15 million a year APY. Uh, he's not going to get that, and he wants it because he's he's also such a huge factor in the receiving game as well as a, uh, as a runner. But he's got a lot of touches, you know, and that, that freaks out front offices. Uh, you can find a good running back in pretty much every draft class. You don't have to spend that money. So it is a league-wide thing. It's also partially a Steelers thing because of the way that they structure contracts. Their salaries... Uh, don't have guarantees, uh, only their signing bonuses and stuff. That's that's the only actual guaranteed money that that are on deals in Pittsburgh. That's just the way they do it. Um, if they do have any salary guarantees, it's only in year one, um, and that and that's pretty rare. So the you know so it's a combination of the two. Uh, you know it being it being a Steelers issue and, and a league wide issue. Um, but you know I think the Steelers will be in all right shape uh, if 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 Roethlisberger returns for 2019 and they don't have Le'Veon Bell. If they don't have both of them, um, then yeah, I would I would call twenty eighteen a, a got got to get it done kind of season. Well, and, and the thing is, and you know, and Le'Veon Bell is he probably worth every dime he's asking for? He is, but with the running back position, I mean, you got to figure even any running back, there could be two missed games per season. So am I better off paying three guys to pay the play the position, and it might be paying a little bit less than Le'Veon Bell's asking price. You know, so maybe it's a strength and numbers approach as to, you know, what does Pittsburgh do? You know, James Conner's a fine running back, but he doesn't bring you the versatility at the position that a Le'Veon Bell does. Um, right. But in, at the end of the day, Le'Veon Bell deserves his money. Um, we're going to we're gonna peak a little in a week one here. Why not? Obviously, Steelers, Browns. Um, Le'Veon Bell, you know, is the word, you know, everything working out. He, he'll be ready to go week one, even though he's got this chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Oh, he'll be ready to go week one, just like he was last season. It's the same thing that happened last year. Sadly, he knows how to do it now. (laughs) Yeah. He, uh, last year he got franchise tagged, sat out of training camp in the preseason, came back after the fourth preseason game. And, you know, he he was, he was a little rusty, I'll say, but the the Steelers also didn't really use him a lot, uh, in that first game last season. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see if they take a similar approach this, this year. Um, but yeah, he'll be there. He'll be there. And he'll be some sort of a factor because even if he's a non-factor, that sort of means he's a factor because something happened. 
Okay. Now, uh, obviously, you know, the, the Pittsburgh defense is going to be looking across that side of the ball. Um, you know, Josh Gordon should be there, fingers crossed. Um, but you have a Jarvis Landry. You have an improving David Najoku. You possibly have a hotshot rookie in Antonio Callaway. You have now a running back core that Duke, John- Duke Johnson, who brings you some sim- similar versatility, like a Le'Veon Bell. Uh, you also have a rookie in Nick Chubb. You have an established veteran in Carlos Hyde. It's not a bad-looking group of skill players. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say they're going to go score for score, but you know, it's going to bring a nice test for the Pittsburgh defense early. Oh, absolutely. And the Pittsburgh defense, uh, you know, I think can can really get exploited by all those weapons that the Browns have. And especially when it comes to, you know, Todd Haley being the coordinator and knowing how, you know, the Steelers kind of do things on defense. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But the Steelers, yeah, they have a, a lot of holes on defense, particularly uh, in coverage situations, uh, coverage on the inside uh, with the inside linebackers is kind of weak. Um, the safety situation is a little questionable right now. Um, and the cornerback position is the only one that I think is a real uh, area of strength for the Steelers in coverage with Joe Hayden and Artie Burns. Um, so there's going to be there's going to be ways for for the Browns' offense to exploit the Steelers' defense. That's that's to be certain. Now, for any franchise, obviously, um, who's going to be playing Cleveland Browns and you know playing their defense? Um, I don't think anyone has any doubts that Miles Garrett is just an absolute freak of a human being. Um, it's going to be interesting how the rest of it shakes out. Uh, are you basically is is two to three people and make sure Miles Garrett is not the guy that hits Big Ben. Probably a you know a, an approach you're going to go to with your pass blocking scheme. I mean, quite possibly. I mean, it's going to be interesting. The other the other thing is you know the 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 Browns are poised to do a lot of things different on defense this year than they did last year. They were spending about 77 percent of the time in base. Uh, nobody does that anymore. Uh, they're going to be switching over to doing more of what the league average is about we 60 hope, to. We, we hope, Andrea. We yeah, hope. we hope uh, <laughs> 60, 60 to seventy percent in 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 sub packages. Um, so that'll be a different look for the Steelers to to uh, to take on with 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 the with the Browns defense. Uh, you know, of course they're going to have their eye on on Miles Garrett um, and and trying to keep him away from Roethlisberger. But the other thing to keep in mind, you know, uh, the Steelers uh, have a really good offensive line. Uh, ben was really well protected last year. Didn't get sacked a lot. Uh, that's they got a lot of talent, a lot of veterans on that offensive line. Um, so it's going to be that's going to be a really interesting thing. Just just the the trenches in general, the 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 O-line, D-line battle um, should be fun to watch. Now, uh, you know, obviously Antonio Brown, who's been an absolute damn force in this league for a while now. (laughs) Juju Smith-Schuster, who literally just blew up the scene last year. Uh, I'm hearing a lot of very good things uh, about James Washington, the rookie out of Oklahoma State, (laughs) starting to do, you know, playing the Martavius Bryant role and I think he was a fantastic deep receiver. Uh, one thing we learned about him through the draft process when he went down to the Senior Bowl is he's a lot more accomplished route runner than people have given him credit for. Uh, it, 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 are the reviews? I mean, are the reviews and what we're hearing is this going to be the case? Because if this is it, I mean, you know, Ben's got a plethora of talent at the position again. Oh yes, uh, James Washington is 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 all worth the hype. Uh, he's he's been putting together some really nice stuff during training camp. He's looked great in the preseason. He had two uh, touchdowns last week against Green Bay. He's 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 legit. He's like basically you know the Steelers keep finding these wide receivers. Uh, their their GM Kevin Colbert's very good at it. They're doing it again. So yeah, uh, yeah. Ab Juju, 
James Washington, that's that's going to be the the soul of the the Steelers' receiving core this year. Which is going to be interesting. Obviously, you know, Cleveland brought in a bunch of new defensive uh, secondary help this season. Mm-hmm. We're not sure how it's all shaking out just yet, but uh, I think we might have a little bit better idea of who's in, who's out once we get to week one. Because, I mean, th- these guys are thoroughbreds. Every one of them, I mean, any one of them is capable of putting up you know eight for 120. So it's going to be interesting how that goes, uh, obviously, for week one for the Brown Steelers' uh, first regular season game. Guys, uh, Locked On Network has launched into the college capacity. Locked On College is up and running. Uh, you know, a lot of universities are already up and represented um, for your school. If they're not up yet, they are coming. If it is, you know, someone that you're interested, I know Baylor's up. I know Tennessee's up. Go ahead, look for them in the Locked On Network. Go ahead, start subscribing and check out the shows there. Andrea, it's nice when you can talk. Uh, a little wrestling with somebody on a show here. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> because it is a fun, fun break from sports coverage, and everybody's like, well, I don't get it. Well, there's no evaluation because a lot of it comes down to that it's scripted. Yes, the athletes are fantastic, but it comes down to it's scripted. And at the end, oh, well, that shouldn't have happened. Well, it should happen because that's what somebody chose to make happen. Um, SummerSlam Sunday, uh, an, an absolute fantastic pay-per-view. Uh, I love the fact that they brought some old school back. Uh, you know, there was a nunchuck sighting, Samoa <laughs> Joe calling out AJ Styles' wife, a little Rick Rude type stuff. Uh, give me a couple of your favorite highlights from Sunday night. Uh, definitely, you know, Samoa Joe and his ongoing uh, family-based psychological warfare drama with AJ Styles is fantastic because they're 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 great they're great athletes they're great workers they're great performers they've worked together for a really long time they know each other really well they're both very good at what they do and when they do those things in the ring together it's it's fabulous so you know that that was definitely a highlight. Um, you know, seeing Daniel Bryan finally get into that, you know, match, that eight-year rivalry with The Miz and finally get back in the ring with him and, and knowing that this is, that that was not going to just be the end of it and that, of course, The Miz was going to win and, of course, he was going to cheat to win because they're setting up, you know, maybe a year or nine months long leading up to next WrestleMania kind of thing here. So that, you know, that was awesome just seeing that happen because I think it's been on a lot of fans' like wish lists, um, especially, you know, the whole time Dean O'Brien wasn't cleared for, for action. And, um, you know, finally, they finally pulled the trigger. Roman Reigns is the champion. Get over it, people. It's fine. We'll all make it through. <laughs> It'll be okay. I'm just glad that they did it because they needed to pull the trigger on that. Forget Brock Lesnar being the champion and not being around. Forget that you all want to boo Roman Reigns. Just get—he's got the belt. He's given the belt. Do the belt. Do the thing. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. You know. And so they finally—that they finally did the thing. It's just like, <sighs> okay, now we can move forward. <laughs> finally. It was funny though because my, you know uh, my daughters and uh, they're almost twelve, almost eleven. They were like, I forgot. I forget sometimes that there's a raw champion. Because yeah. you never see Brock Lesnar. And it, yep. it's just the most... It, at least if he just came to an episode, you ain't got to wrestle, show up, cheat, do something, you know, steal chair somebody. It remind people that there's a raw, you know, a raw men's champion. It, it, for me, uh, it's, it's... it's Yes, he needs to... You know, go do UFC. Look, he got all the money in the world. You know, you, look, you want to go back to your couch at your house like you told us all? By all means, go, bro. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. pitch in. We'll get a GoFund. We'll get you a new couch. We'll get you a new TV. Uh, the guys who want to come to work every week are the guys everybody wants to see. Um, the women's division, I think, was a big night. 
it was I was kind of interested with the Ronda Rousey and Alexa Bliss match because I was I, I was curious if there was any chance, which I didn't think Alexa was going to keep the belt, is no. <laughs> how was she going to keep the belt? Because, I mean, you've basically turned, uh, you know, uh, you, you've turned Ronda Rousey into basically Brock Lesnar. I'm glad that they made it quick in that respect, though, but I think the problem is with making it so quick is, is Ronda going to hold the belt for about two to three years? Because that's the way, that's the vibe it would give off after that match. You know, quite possibly. I mean, she said that she wants to extend her her run in WWE. She said that recently because she's having a really good time, which she should be having a good time. She's amazing, and she's a natural at this, and she's a fabulous athlete, and she loves it. So why not do it for as long as you want to? Um, And, you know, and and she says, you know, she's not Brock Lesnar. She's going to be on the show. She'll be on Raw. She'll be doing, you know, doing house shows and touring and defending that belt. And if that's the case, you know, I mean, somebody's going to beat her. Uh, so, you know, weird stuff's about to happen with, with, with like Shayna Baszler and Jessamine Duke and all of those, uh, four horsewomen members of the, of the MMA four horsewomen, if you will. Um, so something, I'm sure something will happen, um, or, or either that or, you know, they'll, they'll write to make Stephanie the champion or something stupid like that. <laughs> yeah, in WWE circles, that would probably be the way to go. But uh, you know, this <laughs> aspect, um, Ronda Rousey, um, it's a lot better than getting a concussion. It's a lot better than getting your nose broken. Yeah. Uh, you know, and not and, like you can't get your nose broken or get a concussion in pro wrestling, but it's a different situation. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna. Yeah, I mean, it, it would most likely be accidental. It wouldn't yes. be on purpose. Yes. Um, <laughs> now the other one. Congratulations to Charlotte Flair, and obviously, you know, a lot of bench press work went in before to before Sunday night's uh, pay per view appearance. Uh, I, I believe, it, you know, I headed over to a you know Becky Lynch versus you know Charlotte Flair, you know, at the the, the all women's pay per view Evolution, but that one stung for a lot of fans. Uh, we've seen this act, we've seen it a lot. Uh, I think everybody wanted to see Becky. Look, I love Carmella because I think she brings like an '80s type of wrestler vibe to her whether it's the ducking the head out or, you know, the cheating when nobody's mm-hmm. looking type of thing. But uh, it, it kind of hurt that Becky, you know, it didn't go her way Sunday night. Yeah, and I, but, you know, I think that set, sets up a really nice story for, for Becky and Charlotte in terms of, you know, Becky, you know, turning on Charlotte after after the match and, and the promo that she cut on SmackDown on Tuesday. Um, you know, and but I think it's... I, I, I'm curious to see how WWE is going to... Um, go forward with Becky because, you know, they tried to frame this as Becky's heel turn, you know, by, by attacking Charlotte, but the crowd, everybody blew up. Everybody (laughs) loved it. You know what it is? is They try to create the heel within the women's division. Everyone's so excited about it. it. You like who you like. I don't think there really is a heel. There really is no heel in the women's division. Oh, I mean, based on what I saw on Tuesday, people are very willing to boo Charlotte, and they should. You know, uh, as Brandon Stroud wrote um, for for with Spandex this week, Charlotte's a flair. She's Flair's daughter. Boo her. She's a heel. She's Ric Flair's daughter. Exactly. Like you have. To, she's you know, tell and, you and, about the jet limousines, and you know, I mean, yeah, she's gonna start cutting those type of promos. Everybody seems to be, you know, viewing it the wrong way, and it's odd. Yes, that definitely odd that the, you know, the poor girl who grew up in Ireland is viewed as the heel here. Exactly. So I'm, I'm curious to see how, how, how WWE is going to handle it going forward, just because the crowd is not 
having Becky as a heel. They're just like, yeah, yeah, you should beat up Charlotte. You should be mad. She got thrown into that match just because she's Charlotte Flair. Yeah, you've been killing it lately. We're on your side. Go Becky. <laughs> you know, like the crowd loves it. So WWE either has to acknowledge it or or, or something. And they, they will. They'll probably take their time with it. And it won't be satisfa- satisfactory to anybody. Uh, but they'll probably do something. <laughs> They'll the, the find, you know, once they realize that maybe, the, you, know, the, the, you know, the way the scales are being tipped, you know, I mean, they're certainly fine to put their, certainly find a way to put their uh, spin on it. But, sure. uh, you know, pay, playing Becky off as the heel is just, it's just kind of comical, kind of funny in that respect. Yeah. Andrea, I want you, I, I want to thank you so much for joining me here this evening. Please let everyone know where they can find, uh, you know, the, the great work that you do. Sure. Uh, I cover the Cleveland Browns at Dogs by Nature. That's uh, for SB Nation. Uh, I'm also doing some uh, work for uh, Big Blue View, uh, covering some New York Giants stuff uh, over at SB Nation for this season. So you can check that out if you have any interest in the Giants. I'm also covering the Pittsburgh Steelers at Forbes.com. And you can find me on the Twitter machine at FBall, that's F-B-A-L-L underscore Andrea, A-N-D-R-E-A. Well, that, there you go, guys. Look, and if uh, anybody else needs anybody else, you know, any other work done, you know, Andy, sure. maybe she'll find some more time, more hours in the day. She can cover all 32 <laughs> teams, but uh, she does a fantastic job. And like I said, guys, one of my favorite follows. Uh, I've appreciated Andrea's work for a very, very long time. Okay. Guys, the show, please, guys, subscribe, rate, review Locked On Browns. Follow it on Twitter at Locked On Browns, guys. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, we got a lot of good stuff coming here, guys. We've got real football coming in. I think it's like 18, 19 days. So let's get excited. But please find some time. Enjoy the little bit less, little bit that's left of summer, guys. Um, until tomorrow night, everyone. Uh, we'll have a post game after the game. Obviously, Eagles, Browns tomorrow night. Till tomorrow night. Let's go, Browns. <laughs>